I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Florals? For spring? Groundbreaking. Stay tuned to hear all about that on The Reluctant Historian. What? That's it? Everybody, I'm Liz Lawson, and this is our Reluctant Historian. Uh, Dakota Lawson, sorry. <laughs> I was still thinking about your... I was still thinking about your your very vague intro and thinking about what it is, and I think I know, but... This is the podcast where I try to show my husband that history is actually cool. So, if you love history... Or you hate terrible intros... <laughs> this podcast is for you. We would like to begin by recognizing that we are recording on Treaty 6 territory and the homeland of the Métis Nation. We make this acknowledgement and recognition that we are settlers here on the land that belongs to the many different First Nations of Canada. Okay, Coda, what do you think today's topic is about? Is this a Mother's Day episode? Is it about flowers? I mean, like, I could see where you get that from. No, it's not a Mother's Day topic. Okay, well, florals. So people who have watched The Devil Wears Prada. Which I haven't. Right, will understand where I'm going with this. Okay. So that's that's a quote. So Devil Wears Prada, a woman gets a job working for Vogue, I believe. Um, and Miranda Priestly is the executive of Vogue, and she's just like, I like I like her, but she's like a heinous dirtbag. Um, and one of the quotes that she says about fashion is florals for spring, groundbreaking. So it's like tongue in cheek because everybody does florals in spring. Are we talking stuff. about fashion then? Yeah, buddy. Oh. I know. You didn't even want to record today and now we're doing a topic that you hate. Jesus. Okay. Well, this is fun. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So we've had a few requests to do an episode about different like events from fashion. Uh, Teresa asked to learn about high heels. Troy wants to know about blue jeans. Heidi wants to know about the Mad Hatters. I want to know more about the Victoria's Secret fashion show. Stop Which it. I used to watch. Stop it. It's great programming. Yes. And so I'm excited for this episode because you hate fashion. Jesus. I thought you were on my side, listeners. <laughs> Fuck you guys. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so today we're going to talk about some, not fashion fads, but just like kind of like I don't know. I don't really know what to describe this episode as, but... Shitty? <laughs> Is that how you, you describe it? You haven't listened to it yet. Okay. <laughs> you don't even know. You're going to love it. Oh, I'm sure. So, anyways. What's your golden nugget? Oh, I got a golden nugget and a lump of coal, okay? Great. So, first, my golden nugget is that we saw Doctor Strange in the Multiverse yeah, of Madness, yeah, day one, and yeah. it was delightful. Yeah. Yeah, it was just uh, very surprising, very violent for yeah. a uh, Marvel movie. Loved it. It was so good. Yeah, it was It was So great. good. Yeah, yeah, I really... After it was over, Liz says, I want to be a wizard. <laughs> <laughs> so... I do. Uh, but, but more importantly, this, this is my... Lump of coal is relevant to this episode or the show because of we talked about McDonald's salads recently. Oh, yes. So we went to McDonald's the other day before Doctor Strange and I asked what salads they had because they didn't have any 
on their menu. And she responded, we don't have salads. What? You were so sad. And and, and you said, maybe it's just this location. Oh. So this morning I did my own research. Okay. And I went on McDank's website. Yeah. And there is not a salad to be seen. <gasps> no. Their salads were so good. I'm so sorry for your loss. Maybe just people were buying them. Like, I hadn't had one in a long time. But you are the reason why they got rid of salads. I guess. But, like... It's all your fault. They're... I was so upset. And so, like... Now, I know McDonald's is terrible for you and their salads aren't good for you either. But at least they're trying to give you the illusion that, oh, we have healthy options, Right. right. Now they're not. They're just like, no, we're just bad for you. We just are <laughs> like, like that, that's a weird. That's a weird stance to take. You I know. Guess so. uh, they all. I mean, <clears throat> most uh, most fast food places now are having even. They're doing their uh, uh, Beyond Meat burgers, right? Yeah, they're, McDonald's doesn't have one. Mc, uh, not as far as I know. What? Yeah, they just so, don't want to get on. Well, no, they, maybe they're their just... burgers are actually Beyond Meat because yeah, they're not yeah. actually. <laughs> <That's>, uh, <laughs> Come on, guys. Uh, that's, that's, uh, <laughs> So yeah, uh, I was very heartbroken. So I'm sorry. Uh, if you guys know any other fast food places that have delicious salads, let me know because I need a replacement. Yeah. So what is your golden nugget? Uh, yeah, yesterday I got to spend uh, with your family mm-hmm. without you. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, we went and uh, your niece, it was her 13th birthday a while back, so... She got her nose pierced in mm-hmm. celebration, and then so all the lady people—that was a weird way of saying that—also yeah. got their noses pierced in celebration, I guess, yeah. of her. So that was a lot of fun. I got to hang out with them all afternoon, and I had a really good time. And then, yeah, and yeah. your nose piercing looks great. Thank you. It's yeah. got a lot of blood on it right now. I got to clean it, but that's that's neither hot. here nor there. <laughs> yeah, that's hot. Yeah, it's so hot. So it's a small golden nugget. That's mm-hmm. all. Yeah. Cool. All right, the history of fashion is complex and cultural. It's classist and sexist and racist. It's so much more than the clothes we put on our backs. In this episode, I'm going to look at some stuff that happened in the history of fashion. Um, And then I obviously was going to go back and finish this introduction, but I didn't. So I have (laughs) as well as... And then I just didn't finish it. But you have so, to read what you wrote, so... Yes, you're right. So Well, and also I like that introduction, but I just didn't finish it, so... Yeah points off for me so we're going to talk about some stuff in fashion so communicating wealth status and occupation through one's clothes can be dated back as far as the ancient egyptians in the western world fashion has been important all throughout history and important periods in british history are also critical parts of the fashion history britain and other european countries influenced world fashion by colonialism and colonial rule brought european styles of dressing to a global audience Fashion has generally been dictated by the royal courts of a given culture. Aristocratic people dressed elaborately and stylishly, while the poor could not afford to change their clothes according to the whims of fashion. Until very recently, with the creation of fast fashion, that is. For the poor, clothes made of natural fibers, mostly in neutral colors, were all they could afford and wear, while the rich flaunted their wealth in colors, fabrics, and accessories. In in Minecraft to do i guess this isn't exactly fashion but to do, like make like nice designs and stuff like that i would uh, i had a sheep farm wow where i had it was an underground sheep farm that i would have cages for all of uh my sheep of yeah. different colors okay and it would be 
the roof the floor or the roof of the cage the thing was like glass so mm-hmm. i could stand above them and look at all my sheep peons and then i would <laughs> when i would want something some wool i would go down and, and shave them and then beat them and fuck them obviously <laughs> obviously but this is a i'm not this the is horrible a, one in this, this is a this is a g-rated show and i didn't want people to know that i'm also not only into cannibalism but bestiality <laughs> i don't know why i said that well you're married to me i it's, you know it's true i'm a bad influence you really are i was a perfect little angel oh, before yeah. i met you yeah you, you sure <laughs> During the Roman era, we see the beginnings of this divide between the rich and the poor. The poors. This is gross. The clothes became more and more of a cultural symbol, creating a divide between the poor and the aristocrats. Women in the Roman era wore a long dress called a stola, whose design was very similar to dresses we see today, and a pala, which was a shawl draped over her head. Men, on the other hand, wore a draped cloth over their body, which was called a toga. Have you ever been to a toga party? <laughs> I've been to two parties. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, I've been uh, to a toga party. Yeah, I uh no, I I'm not a cool not a party animal. How how was it? Are they all there cracked up to be in the movies? Um well, that was the night I like disappeared. Um, uh my friends couldn't find me cuz okay. I was off gallivanting with a young man. What? Not like sexually. Who that was came this? wrong. That what came... was his name and <laughs> that, address? Yeah, that's not sorry. I met a guy. We had a like a really great chat and we wandered off. Um Yeah, I'm the only man you've had great chats with. That's true. <laughs> yes. All of this sounds like innuendo. It really isn't. So like no, we just hung out. And then my friends Sa- couldn't Sounds find me. like you were fornicating. Stop it. Stop <laughs> it. No, we don't talk about that on this episode. About fornication? Ever. I don't know. I gotta stop. I gotta change. <laughs> the clothing piece was worn as a mark of Roman citizenship. Yeah, good segue. In Egypt, the people wore clothing made of linen, which was perfect for the hot weather. They wore different colors of outfits and jewelry to show their status. Women wore ankle-length dresses, no matter their social status. However, the upper-class m- women would wear pleated dresses, and men wore kilts, which I thought was interesting for Egyptians. Yeah, that's. I thought that was just a Scottish thing. I thought so, too. Yeah. In the Middle Ages, the Anglo-Saxon clothing consisted of belted ankle-length tunics, both for men and women. The wealthy distinguished themselves by wearing layers upon layers of dresses, and the rich men wore tunics that were sewn up the sides in contrast to the poor, who had their tunics open from hem to waist. However, in the 14th century, the style of dress began to change, and women would wear close-fitting gowns with long sleeves and a full skirt. Tight-fitting hose made of wool or linen were worn under the short tunics of men, which were later replaced with short jackets over padded doublets. An interesting fad that came out of well, this... I'll be the judge of that. ...was the Tudor ruff. Here's a picture. Please describe. Okay. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like a uh, the dog cone that a vet <laughs> would give you, but for humans. And it's kind of ruffled. Uh, like a... Ruffled like a a decoration that you would have at a wedding oh, on yeah. the table. It's like white and ruffled, but like a doily, a, a doily, maybe. Anyways, not yeah. Okay. The point is, I think this fashion was introduced so that men stopped licking their balls, <laughs> and then from this point, because at this point in history, men could freely bend over and right uh, uh, pleasure themselves, <laughs> but. Due to evolution, we evolved, so we have these guys to blame for the fact that we can't can't lick our own balls anymore. I was like, yeah, but I was like, that feels a little too dirty. (laughs) 
So the point is, these guys are to blame. Got it. For my sadness. Stop it. This is why I'm depressed. <laughs> Give, I'm giving you the phone. <laughs> Take it. So ruffs themselves were worn by men, women, and children and evolved from the small fabric ruffle at the neck of a chemise. Ruffs served as changeable pieces of cloth that could be laundered separately while keeping the wearer's doublet or gown from becoming soiled at the neckline. The stiffness of the garment also forced upright posture and their impracticality led to them becoming a symbol of wealth and status because if you were a poor person, you couldn't do your work by if you weren't able to bend over. They were made primarily from linen and were stiffened with starch. Wait, so po- wait, were poor people not allowed to wear these? Well, I mean, I don't know if they were allowed or not allowed, but like, right, they're working out in the fields, yeah. they're harvesting grain. If they've got this thing that doesn't let them bend over, they wouldn't be able to do their wait jobs. Wait a minute. I think I just solved how to pleasure oneself. <laughs> okay. You have to be poor. I guess so. Why isn't why aren't people writing about this that <laughs> poor people can uh tug their balls? <laughs> Okay, that's it. I'm done with that. Later, some ruffs were made entirely from lace, which was a very expensive fabric. As the century went on, the size of the ruff continued to increase. Queen Elizabeth I had New Year's gifts made for each of her ladies that were, quote, 10 yards is enough for the ruffs of the neck and the hand. So for understanding, a ruff is about, or a yard is about three feet. So these ruffs were uh, about 30 feet. What? How? Well, so the fabric goes over and over because it's like, it's kind of like accordioned onto itself. So when they make it, but it would still be huge. You're right. But but like, how do you get through doors? That's (laughs) part of the point. Like you don't because you're so wealthy and rich that. Who needs doors? Not (laughs) I. I will stay in this room until I die. Yes. The use of starch in these garments allowed ruffs to be made wider without losing their shape. At their most extreme, cartwheel ruffs were a foot or more wide. And required a wired frame to hold them at a fashionable angle. So I'd really encourage all of you to look up paintings of people wearing ruffs because it made me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> Another fun piece of fashion that came out around this time was high heels. Ugh. This type of shoe originated in 15th century Persia when soldiers would wear them to help secure their feet into stirrups. Persian migrants brought the shoe trend to Europe, where male aristocrats wore them to appear taller and more formidable. Let me just tell you, I know you know this, but, like, I hate high heels. Oh. And uh, you don't know this? I do, but you really like wedges for some reason. I don't know. We were watching The Ultimatum last night, and I think you were right about that outfit she was wearing with them. And I was like, I don't know. These feel very 90s. But, yeah, high heels, I just don't get them. I don't get why they're, like sexy you know i just don't they lift your butt up they make your legs look longer <sighs> they make it so we can't run away from you you can oh, catch us easier. i love high heels <laughs> <laughs> stop it um but apparently like men wore them first to be tall oh. and scary ah uh, yeah yeah <laughs> can you imagine <laughs> I, i'm gonna start uh, intimidating you just by wearing your high heels and be like <laughs> Come here, I'm going to get you. That's, it is kind of a little bit scary. Yeah. And I'd be like, have you gone crazy, babe? Yes. These were adopted in the later 15th century and called Chopin. They were popular with the upper class European women and they were used to transform them into a towering figure. Especially popular in Venice, the shoes were so exceptionally high, sometimes up to 21 inches. What? I don't know. That maids were used as crutches. Oh, <laughs> 
Can you imagine? I just like, I picture two maids on either side and actually using them as crutches <laughs> where you grab them by the side and you have to like move them like you actually would crutches. Yes. Yeah, you got to just pick up the maids and like <laughs> push them forward. Yeah. Chopins were completely hidden under skirts as the higher the footwear, the more cloth that was needed for the dress, which was another indication of status. In 1673, King Louis XIV introduced shoes with red heels and a red sole to the French court, and he restricted the wearing of such shoes to his circle or nobles. This practice was later adopted by royalty across Europe and became highly fashionable. No one shall wear red high heels to my circle, jerk. Thus, the Renaissance became a very important period in fashion history, because more and more of the aristocrats became interested in fashion. A lot of money was spent on clothes. It is said that Henry VII, King of England, spent a fortune on clothes, and the nobles and others in his court followed him in everything they did. Another interesting development from this time period was the rise of the merchant class. Think of them like today's middle class. They attempted to imitate the aristocrats in their clothing choices. Marie Antoinette, the Queen of France in 1770, dictated the fashion of the period in which she reigned, and her dressmakers had a lot of influence during this time. Antoinette came to France from her homeland of Austria. On her journey to France, she was dressed in a beautiful Austrian wedding dress. As part of a symbolic act of shedding her Austrian ways in favor of embracing all things French, the young princess was made to strip down to her underwear and redressed in French fashion, a change that was described as making her a thousand times more charming. So this part I find is like super interesting to me because she's like journeying through the woods and they stop, I think, when they get to the border between... I don't remember if Austria is beside France. But anyways, they stop when they get to France's border. And before she's allowed to come in, she has to like go through this like tent um, where they make her get naked, get out of her Austrian stuff and put on her French stuff. And they're like, now you're French and we can accept you. I just oh. think that's a weird history yeah. thing. Um, anyways, Marie's stylist, or as she was called, the minister of fashion, was given free reign to create over-the-top formal dresses for the queen that would be suitable for formal appearances at court. And it is rumored that Marie had 300 dresses made for her each year and that she never wore anything twice. Oh, jeez. Most of these dresses would have been the formal robe à la française, which were already in fashion at the time, which was an open underskirt, wide panniers, and heavy fabric with floral detail. However, Marie's minister of fashion made some changes, and she is credited with making puce fashionable. Ooh, puce. Puce is a dark color combination of brown, red, and purple, similar to the color of a flea. Because okay. puce means flea in French. Okay, I'm glad you explained it because you said uh, you said puce, and I, I just thought you were gonna be like, "Ah, oh, yes, he'll just know what that means." No, because I didn't know what it meant. Oh, I was okay. like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> when King Louis saw his wife wearing a puce-colored creation for the first time, he exclaimed, "That is puce!" <laughs> what a puce of shit! <laughs> <laughs> so I suppose that's where we get the name for it from. Despite the association with a gross insect, the color puce took off with the nobles in France because it was not easy to stain. The bourgeoisie were so enamored with the color that cloth dyers could barely keep up with the demand. So here, Dakota, you can see what color this is. Here's okay. some puce for you. Oh, that's... It's like a it's like a subdued brown. Uh, that's, I mean, that's the best way I could describe it. It's not. It's not good, you know? I... I second that this is a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. 
So I'm trying really, really hard not to go down a Marie Antoinette rabbit hole here because she did a lot of cool things with fashion and I'm fucking obsessed with her. Um, You also know that I love the French Revolution. Yeah. There are so many things that I could tell about her, uh, her jewelry, her hair, um, but I'm just going to leave it at that. So listeners, if you want to hear more about Marie Antoinette or you want me to do a Marie Antoinette episode, please let me know. Maybe that could be our oh shit episode. Oh shit, yes. Yes. During the 17th century, we had the phrase mad as a hatter come into the vernacular. Now... What does that have to do with fashion, you might ask? Uh, no, I don't, I'm not going to ask. Yeah. Do you have any guesses what mad as a hatter means? <laughs> oh, even, even if I'm not going to ask, you're still going to tell me? This doesn't, that doesn't seem very polite. Uh, mad as a hatter. Well, wait, when, when was this? 17th century. Okay, so this was long before Alice in Wonderland. But that's where this comes from. Sorry, Al- that... Alice, Alice in Wonderland took this phrase and wrote it into their books. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, I have no idea. Okay. Well, the phrase is based on the real-life practices of hat makers or hatters beginning in the 17th century. It turns out the hatters were actually poisoning themselves in the process of creating fashionable hats. Oh. In the past, hats were almost always made of felt, which hatters made themselves using a process called carotene. This involves separating fur from animal skin, and hatters would use mercuric nitrate to help the process go faster. This exposed them to mercury vapors, which, at the time, no one knew how harmful they were. Once inhaled, the lungs absorbed the mercury nitrate, which then entered the blood and ultimately the brain. The effects included pathological shyness... Low, <laughs> low self-confidence, depression, apathy, irritability, as well as tremors. No, so it didn't kill them? It just eventually. made them socially awkward? <laughs> it did eventually kill them. <laughs> okay. As well as tremors known as hatter shakes, speech problems, hallucinations, and death. Oh, okay. There we go. Yeah. It wasn't until 1941 that hatters discovered what was causing them to behave so strangely. 1941. Wow. So they were... They were- well, at least they were killing themselves, you know, dying and doing something they love. I guess so. The first sewing machine was invented in 1790, which brought many new opportunities. 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 Opportunities to the fashion industry. Garments could now be produced in less time and used less labor than hand sewing. Yet, despite the ability to produce new and more clothing, the dress code remained much the same. Gowns for ladies and trousers and jackets for men. Another major development in fashion was the Industrial Revolution. This is when textile manufacturing flourished in Britain. Factories sprang up that would allow clothes to be made to a standard and in a much quicker way. However, working in factories is not a good thing. During the Industrial Revolution, people were worked to the bone. There were no workers' rights, and kids sometimes as young as five were made to work in factories because they had little fingers that could get into the crevices of the machines. Mm. And next week, I'm going to tell you about one of a horrible event that happened at an industrial factory. Okay, okay. That's what I cut out of. Yeah, I thought you're. I thought it was going to be the Mary Antoinette thing. I was no. like, I was like, oh god, don't <laughs> don't tell her that she should do an episode. No, I am. I'm going to do one for our holy shit episodes. <laughs> so factories suck. Uh, not only for the horrible conditions workers were subject to, but also the material that they had to work with. Did you know that the color green is deadly? Uh, no, I, I mean, I know the color yellow is deadly to Green Lantern, <laughs> but I didn't know the color green is deadly. That's fair. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I wrote that down. <laughs> oh, wow. What a true poet. <laughs> in 1814, so yes, we're going back in time a bit here. Oh, wait, no, we're not, because, just kidding, I cut out the part where we backtracked, so oh, okay. ignore that. A 
company in Germany called the Wilhelm Dye and White Lead Company developed a new green dye. It was brighter than most traditional green dyes, bolder and jewel-like, that it became quickly known as emerald green. Women loved it. This was in part due to gas lighting. Not gas lighting, but <laughs> lighting made out of gas. Ah, yes. <laughs> um, rather than candlelight being introduced to the world. When women went out to parties at night, the rooms were considerably brighter than they had been only a few decades before, and the partygoers wanted to make sure that they were wearing gowns that boldly stood out. Gowns in a shade like emerald green. People also began using it for wallpaper and carpeting. Victorian Britain was said to be bathed in green. However, the reason that this new dye was so striking was due to the fact that arsenic was one of the main ingredients in creating it. Mm. Arsenic is a deadly poison. The effects of arsenic exposure are horrific. In addition to being deadly, it produces ulcers all over the skin. Those who come in close contact with it might develop scabs and sores wherever it touched. It can also make your hair fall out and can cause people to vomit blood before shutting down your livers and kidneys. In 1871, one lady who purchased a box of green-colored gloves at a well-known and respectable house was horrified to find that her hand broke out in blisters after putting them on. Other accounts from this era tell of babies dying in their nurseries after playing on green carpets or rubbing up against green wallpaper. Those who worked with the dye every day had it much worse. Matilda Schurer, a 19-year-old woman who applied the arsenic green dye to fake flowers, died in a way that that horrified the populace in 1861. She threw up green vomit, the whites of her eyes turned green, and when she died, she claimed that everything she looked at was green. Oh. When people began investigating the factories that these women worked in, they found others in similar distress, such as one who had kept on working with green until her face was one mass of sores. You would think that these stories would have caused people to immediately stop wearing the color, but you'd be wrong. Mm-hmm. For centuries, people have been willing to go to great lengths and even death for fashion. And this green was no exception. People were willing to put up with these grotesque deaths if the alternative was going back to the muted shades or, as one person who loved green dye described them, abominable grays, hideous browns, and dreadful yellows. So they'd rather die than wear ugly colors. Rich people, am I right? <laughs> By the 20th century, things had begun to change a great deal for the fashion history. This began with the large-scale adoption of fashion by the masses. Prior to this, it was only the aristocrats who could partake in fashion trends, but now with factories, more clothing was available more cheaply and for the masses. The evolution of the entertainment industry and its massive growth also led to people being influenced by fashion in the films and the music scene. The introduction of synthetic fibers and the availability of cheaper and practical clothes that were mass-produced changed the fashion scene like never before. One example of that is jeans. So jeans started out in the 1800s in reference to the fabric that is used to make them. The most recognizable classic jeans, those made from indigo-dyed denim with pockets and sturdy riveting suitable for workwear, were patterned in 1873 by Jacob Davis and Levi Strauss. Ah, Levi. Yeah. Their pants were made to be functional and to withstand the hard work of mining in the gold mines. Mm. The copper rivets used to reinforce the pockets were appreciated by the miners and other laborers who complained about frequent pocket rips. Over the course of the decades, design improvements were made, including a double arch of orange stitching for further reinforcement, belt loops, and zippers. Hollywood helped romanticize the blue jean in the 1920s and 30s by putting the pants on handsome cowboy types played by John Wayne and Gary Cooper. This glamorous new image spoke to consumers who sought casual leisure wear to wear on the weekends and holidays. Publicity photos of actresses like Ginger Rogers and Carol Lombard wearing jeans helped convince women that the style was for them too. 
In the 1930s, Vogue gave their seal of approval, calling jeans Western chic. (laughs) That's stupid. (laughs) Yet it wasn't until the 1950s that jeans became associated with rebellious anti-establishment youths. Marlon Brando and James Dean popularized the image of the denim-clad teenage idol with huge sex appeal. Rock and roll stars helped cement the style as cool, and hippies and anti-war protesters wore jeans in the 60s and early 70s as a way to show support for the working class, while feminists and women's lib organizers chose blue jeans as a way to demonstrate gender equity. With this association to counterculture, some high schools banned jeans, which only served to enhance its status. So I don't know, Troy, if I answered your question. I really couldn't find what you had asked, but that's a little bit of gene history for well, you. It's kind of crazy that there's actual history to the genes. It's not just we made these and people wore them. <laughs> there is history to everything, babe. <laughs> that is what the world is. It's very true, but it's just the amount of history. It's not just, it's not simple. It's like all these reasons people were wearing genes, yeah. like the hippies and stuff like that. Yeah. And, you know, uh, kind of interesting. <laughs> Kind of. I gotcha. Bitch. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Fashion trends come and go, and it would take way too long to discuss every trend that has occurred since the modernization of the textile industry. What I love, however, is the repetition of fashion. So right now, 90s and early 2000s clothing is cool again. So I want to tell you a quick story. When I was a youth, 15, I would go shopping with, well, a little bit younger than that. I would go shopping with my mother and I would remember her saying, oh, that, and my dad too, actually, they'd talk about like the flares that I was wearing. And they'd be mm-hmm. like, those, those things were cool when we were teenagers. And I was yeah. like, that's stupid. Why would you tell me that? I hate it, man. <laughs> and now, so when I go shopping with your niece, I'm looking at the clothes. Our niece. Yes. Sorry. Our niece. When I look at the clothes that are in the stores right now for the Gen Zers, I'm like, holy shit. Like those are legitimately patterns and cuts of fashion that I wore when I was a teenager. And I was like, I have become my parents because Uh I remember saying I would never say that to my children if fashion came back, but it has. And now I'm saying it's a Does fashion repeat like every 15 years then? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Yeah, it's cyclical. And like, obviously people make changes, right? So you don't wear exactly the same things, but yeah it's it's just it's crazy to me because you know even a number of years ago fanny packs were like dork wear yeah and how how all of a sudden are they cool again like what changes in the mind that people are like now this is cool again even though two years ago i said this looked fucking stupid i don't know and i know that that really annoys you a lot it infuriates sorry that wasn't a strong enough word it infuriates you people are dumbasses (laughs) Is what I know. I'm you hate fashion so much. I do. Yeah, You're getting a low of, rating for this, just so you know. <laughs> because of that reason, though, right? What? That it repeats and you don't understand why sometimes it's cool and, some, and then, like, two years later, it's not. I, I think... Well, I, one, yeah, you're right. I don't understand it, but and maybe this is why I think it's stupid. Who knows? But I, I think it's, I think it's dumb how you can go from just thinking, again, back to my fanny pack example, that two years ago you could be like, that's stupid Mm -hmm. this looks dumb Mm -hmm. and then two years later everyone's doing it and then people are like yeah yeah this is cool now it's like it's like get your own fucking opinions (laughs) you know (laughs) have a have a thought in your head that isn't just what other people are doing Uh, see i myself have a fanny pack but it's a game boy fanny pack (laughs) from the the 90s yeah it's really cool and it is no, I mean, it is, it is to me, but wait, it's... Wait, wait, but you want a fanny pack now. Shut your goddamn mouth. More for practicality. That's true. Uh, 
but anyways cool well that's the end of my story so dakota what do you think well jesus this is a lot that wasn't that was i you know reading this back i was like man this was actually a pretty well researched episode i'm really proud of it and fuck you if you give me a low rating people are gonna be mad at me (laughs) they should they you know what cancel dakota yeah cancel (laughs) fucking cancel me come at me um uh, what, what do I... Don't be biased. What Don't do be biased. You were, like, enjoying it. Tonguing balls and everything. Well, no, I was making those... Um, yeah. <laughs> while, you, while you were talking, I was just tonguing some balls. <laughs> Stop it. It's like, mmm. It, Stop this... it. Stop <laughs> it. Okay, 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 okay. Uh, but, sorry. Uh, I'm not talking about the KKK. Stop it. <laughs> Come on, I'm trying to give the reasons to cancel me, okay? <laughs> Fucking do it. Uh, so... Yeah, I was making jokes, but that's just what I do. It doesn't mean I was enjoying a thing. I make jokes to uh, entertain myself while I go through, uh, you know, something like fashion, which I don't enjoy. Don't roll your eyes at me. (laughs) I will put on my high heels and intimidate you. (laughs) So See, and you learned stuff, too. I'm so proud of you. I did, yeah. So I, I learned that I can no longer wear jeans because hippies wore them. That's right. So I give you four <gasps> ball-licking episodes out of ten. Rude, Dakota Lawson. Yeah. A four. This was a more than a four. This yeah. was like an eight. People are going to be mad at me. I, I can I could tell. Cause, Get Because I feel like people will enjoy what you talked yes, about. Yes, it was a but, good episode. But four. Stop it. Four. Oh, you're sleeping on the couch tonight. Yeah, you fucking wish. You're sleeping <laughs> on the couch tonight. You're, oh, sleeping yeah. in, you're sleeping in Louise's kennel tonight. I don't fit. You fit in there. I guess I'm sleeping in Louise's kennel because it's more practical for me to sleep in there than it is for you, I guess. Yeah. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all we have for this week. We'd like to thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to hang out with us. If you enjoyed listening to what we had to say, please download our podcast from wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a review or tell your friends about us because indie podcasts really do grow through word of mouth. And if you want to stay in contact, you can follow us on Instagram at The Reluctant Historian or on Facebook under The Reluctant Historian Podcast. And I do want to point out also, I make two different jokes based on the episode each week. So if you're following on one, if you want another Dakota joke, follow the other and they're different every week. So Yeah, and he's really good at these jokes. It's a sense of pride for me to be able to think of a joke uh, two different jokes on the same topic a topic that i normally well often don't like you know having to come up with uh, a joke so you Your know captions are really well feed my ego follow us on both or give me money at buymeacoffee.com slash the historian uh you can also shoot us an email with future show ideas or corrections you may have noted to the reluctant historian at gmail.com and you can cancel me at fuck you dot com <laughs> just trying to just trying to anger people at this point. <laughs> so we'll see you next week same time same place more like the devil wears this was a shitty episode Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> uh. planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.